You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thank you as always uh, for joining us this week. It's been an unusual week. I'll tell you about that in a little bit here at Judicial Watch. Uh, But as per usual, we're doing the heavy lifting in court suing for information about the corruption that's endemic here in Washington, D.C., specifically Hunter and Joe Biden. Plus, we have new information about the Trump raid and the DOJ cover-up of it. Uh, But first up, I want to update you on uh, the Durham investigation. Uh, John Durham, who is the special counsel, uh, appointed to investigate, we were told, uh, the whole Russia Russia, Russia abuse of President Trump, uh, the spying and misdeeds uh, that uh, the Obama administration, followed by the deep state, uh, abused Trump with in an effort to uh, essentially end his presidency early. And uh, talk about sedition. That was sedition um, to the extreme. The John Durham investigation has been going on for three and a half years. There's been three prosecutions. The first prosecution uh, was of a FBI lawyer uh, who changed evidence as part of the FISA warrant process that you've heard about. Uh, he pled guilty. Uh, it was handed to Durham on a silver platter uh, by the Department of Justice Inspector General, meaning that the Inspector General had uncovered the misconduct and it took Durham, I think, two years plus to uh, figure out or to get this case resolved uh, with a plea deal. It resulted in no jail time for this FBI lawyer uh, who abused his authority to target President Trump and other innocent Americans. So not an auspicious start to the Durham um, effort. Secondly, he had a, a, a subsequent investigation slash prosecution of Mr. Sussman. Sussman was Hillary Clinton's campaign lawyer, one of the top two, uh, who had went to the FBI with false information about uh, President Trump and I think tr- there were computers in Trump Tower and they were trying to make the argument that we're somehow connected to the Russians. It was all garbage. But on top of that, he said, well, I'm just here because I'm, an, I'm a citizen, uh, it was alleged. Uh, and when in fact he was there on behalf of the Clinton campaign, Durham alleged. And that's why he prosecuted Mr. Sussman for misleading the poor FBI who had no idea where he was coming from. In fact, it was pretty obvious where he was coming from, and that's the problem Durham ran into, and the jury acquitted the guy. So you have a a plea deal that results in a slap on the wrist, you have an acquittal, and now you have the third trial uh, or third prosecution that's going on. Supposedly it's the end-all and be-all of the Durham investigation, meaning there's going to be no more prosecutions. All we're going to get is a report. And this prosecution is of Igor Danchenko, Mr. Danchenko was the um, subsource for the Steele dossier, meaning that Christopher Steele, who worked for the Clinton campaign, uh, had Danchenko write some of this material that he just made up about President Trump, or then candidate Trump. And it was obvious in this dossier uh, that it was made up. It looked ridiculous. It looked fanciful. Uh, it looked unbelievable. And sure enough, the Uh, FBI, uh, which was more than happy to target Trump at the behest of the Clinton operation, uh, couldn't even back it up. But of course, they went to the FISA warrant. They went with these FISA warrants to the FISA courts and told them they had a good reason uh, to spy on the Trump team based on this dossier that they knew at the time was false. So who does Durham prosecute? Does he prosecute anyone in the FBI? Does he prosecute senior FBI officials? Does he prosecute anyone in the White House who also knew this information was lacking, yet uh, continued to abuse the Justice Department and the FBI to harass not only candidate Trump and then the incoming president? No! He went after one of Steele's operatives, Danchenko, who the FBI knew at the time, uh, or suspected at the time, was an operative for the Russia intelligence. So this, I want to take a step back here. So Hillary had Christopher Steele, who was a foreign retired spy, uh, dig up dirt on Trump, and they were paying Steele, who then paid Tanchenko, to make up this garbage about Trump that was used to try to spy on and destroy him. 
So Denchenko allegedly misled the FBI and lied to the FBI about the work he did on the dossier. Now, again, the FBI already knew it was bunk, the dossier, and even though they didn't necessarily believe Tenchenko, they kept on using him. And according to the revelations in this trial, uh, the FBI actually paid Denchenko in 2017. So Steele, the Clinton campaign, paid him in 2016 during the campaign. In 2017, I think upwards of two or three years, they kept on paying him. $200,000. So they continued the Clinton campaign operation against the sitting president with a person they thought to be and had every reason to be disreputable and dishonest and making sugar up as he went along. So that was an interesting revelation. The other interesting revelation, three years too late, is that the FBI, after they had fired Christopher Steele, now Judicial Watch, take a, to take another step back, had... Uh, has really uncovered much of what we know about what went on at that time. We uncovered the FISA warrants. We got, for the first time in history, copies of FISA warrants, the uh, corrupt warrants that were used to spy on Trump. We uncovered information about the details of, um, we uncovered the details of the relationship between the FBI and Steele, uh, Christopher Steele, who concurrently with working with the Clinton campaign was being paid by the FBI. Of the 13 times that he met with the FBI during the campaign, the FBI paid him 11 of those times. And then we uncovered that they were unhappy with him, the FBI was, because he was leaking uh, what was going on. And what did they do? They went back and they tried to hire him again and offered him a substantial amount of money. And according to testimony elucidated from um, the F his FBI handler, or one of his FBI contacts, uh, Mr. Auten, uh, they offered him up to $1 million to dig up dirt on Trump and his team. And incredibly, the FBI didn't pay him because Steele had nothing to offer them. He had no, uh, nothing to substantiate the dossier. He had uh, nothing uh, extra to give to them to substantiate the allegations that, uh, which were outrageously false that Trump was an agent of Russia. And yet the FBI continued to use Steele's material to persuade a court or courts uh, to have these unprecedented FISA warrants targeting the Trump team. So does that sound pretty outrageous to you? It sounds outrageous to me. Now, of course, we already knew they had offered money to uh, Steele again just before the election, up to $1 million. We didn't know the number. Of course, we're only finding out, finding out the number three years after the fact we knew they offered him a lot of money. I mean, why did Durham take so long? It's really inexcusable. And uh, we're also finding out uh, that another handler of uh, Danchenko uh, told Danchenko to delete information from his phone about his contacts with Steele and his contacts with the FBI, meaning delete evidence. And why is it, after all of that information, uh, detailing, in my view, criminal activity by senior FBI officials and agents, is Danchenko the only one on the dock? And I think that's what a jury might be asking. Uh, and it's very interesting to me that Durham seems to be putting the FBI on trial here as much as Danchenko, and I don't know how a jury's going to handle that. We'll know soon, because probably by the time you see this video, maybe not today, but if you're seeing it again next week, uh, we'll have a verdict in. And then we're going to be waiting for a report. And everyone's excited about the Durham report. Well, I'm, I'd be interested to know what he came up with, because a lot of what he's doing is following on uh, Judicial Watch's work. He was hired three and a half years ago, uh, three prosecutions, uh, one which was a wash in my view, one which was a failure, uh, and the other in my view just scratched the surface, this one now. We've gotten some information from Durham in the meantime, uh, which is important, but further highlights Durham's failures. So for instance, in the Sussman investigation, 
uh, and during that trial, uh, we found out that they were spying on Trump, likely using Defense Department resources. Judicial Watch uncovered that as well uh, through our FOIA work. Uh, so why isn't anyone on the dock for that other than Sussman? Has Hillary been questioned by Durham before a grand jury? Uh, this fight, this dossier that is becoming, again, even more clear, uh, everyone knew was a lie, was used by James Comey, the FBI director under, uh, under Obama, who uh, was fired subsequently by Trump, rightly so. Uh, just in the last days of the Obama administration, there was this terrible, this, this infamous meeting at the Oval Office that included Susan Rice, James Comey, uh, some others I'm probably not remembering, but Obama and Biden. And they talked about the fact they really had nothing on Trump with respect to Russia. But they also talked about the fact that Comey was going to go confront Trump and try to entrap him it looks like, uh, with this dossier that he knew was a lie. So uh, the idea that these lower-level lower guys are the only ones targeted by Trump, or excuse me, by Durham, uh, to me, uh, or, and I'm sure it is to you, is infuriating. And I tell you, uh, we didn't need a special counsel to write a report. We could have an, have an IG write a report. Heck, I'll write you a report. I mean, much of what we're, I'm talking about is in my uh, most recent Judicial Watch book, A Republic Under Assault. I encourage you to read it. Durham hasn't added much more to the information we have in there. But you had just the Justice Department and Bruce Orr working with Christopher Steele, the Clinton operation. You had, we uncovered, and the IG uncovered, that the FBI had told Christopher Steele about their investigation of Trump. Steele was working for Hillary at the time, so of course Hillary leaked that. So they're essentially leaking to the Clinton campaign just before the election. They were targeting Trump with an outrageous and outlandish spy operation. So what are we talking about this week in Washington, D.C.? Of course, it's January 6th. So that's the establishment's response. They'd rather talk about a, a disturbance that lasted one day and then use that disturbance as a reason to try to intimidate anyone from exercising their First Amendment rights related to election integrity, rather than get justice for an FBI and Justice Department that actively interfered, not only in the election of 20, excuse me, 2016, but in the transfer of power saddling Trump with this investigation that they knew there was no good faith, faith basis for. And of course, Mueller also knew all of this was a lie, and he would have harassed Trump until the end of time if Trump hadn't fired Sessions, gotten Barr in, and Barr saw it was up and fired him, or told him he needed to end the investigation. So I don't know what's going to happen with this Tanchenko investigation, this Tanchenko trial. I gave you some of the highlights. Uh, it's going on as we speak. Uh, but it's expected to end early next week, and then Durham's going to give a report. Obama, Hillary, Brennan, Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Page. Think of all the others involved in this criminal enterprise against Trump. None of them have faced any consequence from Durham or anyone in the Justice Department. It's a complete failure of our justice system, and uh, Trump remains a crime victim, and the crimes are largely going to go unpunished. And, that, and that's the truth of it. And if I were, the just, if I were running Congress next term, I would be uh, bringing in all these people and to put them under oath in the least. Because certainly the Justice Department is never going to do the right thing. And at least you can get some more accountability from some hearings and investigations. Because as far as I'm concerned, the FBI and the Justice Department can never be trusted again and should not be trusted right now uh, to prosecute a jaywalking crime, let alone anything politically sensitive. So uh, Judicial Watch 
continues to try to get information about what's been going on here, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But before I do, I'd be remiss in not mentioning the January 6 hearings this week, which were a sad little affair. The Pelosi-Rump Committee, remember, it's a one-party committee. Yes, there are two Republicans on the committee, but they don't answer to the Republican minority. They answer to uh, Nancy Pelosi, who uh, is uh, pretending that they're representative of the Republican Party. So there is no... There's no, div- there's no majority and minority representation on this committee. So it's a rump committee. And uh, they held a show earlier this uh, week, and uh, they mentioned me. Talk about a sad little committee hearing. They mentioned me. They mentioned Judicial Watch for alleged, my alleged email to uh, President Trump or the White House talking about what he might say on election day, given the controversies at the time. And I'm not going to um, waste my time addressing the committee's attack there. Uh, but what I felt was most interesting is they have nothing. I mean, they were trying to tie Trump to the January 6th riot. They were trying to pretend that it was an insurrection, and they still have nothing. In fact, the committee ended with a whimper, with with a kind of an additional abuse in the sense that, oh, with, they've been in they've been in operation for what a year now plus, and what did they decide to do as they're essentially ending? Because the uh, Congress is essentially gone uh, through the end of uh, you know through the election, and then they come back for a presumably a lame duck. And if it changes power, as is expected to do, the committee's going to end. So what did they do as the last gasp? They issued a subpoena to Trump. Another wild abuse of power. So it was unlikely he'll be able to, he'll testify, he'll probably fight the subpoena based on separation of powers concerns. Now you may hear that phrase, separations of powers, a separation of powers, and not uh, kind of figure out what is meant there. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, the liberal media doesn't really care about the abuse. But let me explain to you what the issue is. Uh, Congress has its prerogatives and the presidency has its prerogatives under the Constitution. And just like the president just can't haul in members of Congress and start questioning them under oath willy-nilly, the same goes for the president of the United States. And that power presumably extends past his presidency. Because if you can harass former presidents as soon as they get out of office and start questioning about everything they did as president, you know, what good is it to be president if you don't have any prerogatives that remain valid after you leave? So that's going to be obviously a constitutional battle. And but I, with, what I think is interesting is, and of course, I don't know how it will turn out, because maybe, maybe he will be required to testify by the courts. Uh, the courts have been anti-Trump on virtually all these constitutional issues, I think wrongly so. So I don't know how it will turn out if, it, if push comes to shove in the courts. But if that's the new rule, I think it will be very interesting for Republicans, if they so choose, and I would so choose, uh, to issue a subpoena to Barack Obama. And they can question him about his spying on Trump. They can question him about his IRS abuse. They can question him on his lies about Obamacare. They can question him on Benghazi. They can question him on Fast and Furious. Am I missing any scandals? I'm sure I am. Solyndra, other things like that. What has he been doing recently? All bets are off now. Maybe we can bring in Bill Clinton and question him on his corruption from his presidency. But, you know, that's the abuse of power that is uh, now, is that the now, the new rule? Is it new rules in the House? You just call in anyone you don't like. Evidently, that's true. And the question for Republicans, if they take over, are they going to punish those who abuse power? Or are they just going to exercise the power that's been previously abused and say, well, this is the new rule? Now, the least I would do if I were the speaker, I would deny the members on that committee any access to any committees in the next Congress. So Benny Thompson, Adam Schiff, uh, Jamie Raskin, Zoe Lofgren, all of whom abuse power 
uh, to target the political enemies of uh, not only the Democratic Party and liberalism generally, but President Biden, uh, they can't be trusted with power again, and they should be denied committee slots. That's the least that can be done. And have ethics investigations in addition to their abuses here, where they were taking information from American citizens and leaking them. I mean, they leaked an email I sent to President Trump. They put it out there. They never asked me about it. And of course, they would never have gotten the email if Joe Biden didn't abuse his authority to turn it over to him. Because typically, presidents, when they get advice from outside or even inside the administration, that advice is privileged. But Biden said, no, no, none of this is privileged. None of the rules that used to apply to presidents is going to apply to Trump. So as a result, the January 6th committee attacks me and Judicial Watch, and obviously it's all about getting Trump as well. I don't want to overstate it. So, you know, that's, that's what's going on here. I mean, we've got abuse of power, uh, targeting opponents of Biden, um, evidence in federal court showing Trump was victimized by these agencies that are now still being used to target Trump and supporters of Trump and people who are seen as Biden, by Biden's operation as needing to be suppressed. So our republic is under attack, that's for sure. And the rule of law is under attack. And Judicial Watch, per usual, we're not going to back down. You can mention my name all you want. You can mention Judicial Watch's name all you want in sham January 6th committee hearings. And we're not going to back down. I mean, you had, uh, on top of it, you had this video of, uh, for instance, that was released by CNN, coordinated obviously with uh, the January 6th committee, a video created or a film created by um, Nancy Pelosi's daughter, who is an actual filmmaker, documentary, and she happened to be there on January 6th. And they think the video makes Nancy and Pelosi look good when they have her... Sh this, is a, uh, this is what is a edited video. Can you imagine what the real video looks like? The edited video has Nancy Pelosi talking about wanting to punch out President Trump and how she'd be proud to go to jail over it. Crazy stuff. That's their idea of what makes them look good. Physical, threatening to physically assault the President of the United States and then putting it out there like it's a positive thing. Which raises the question, where, what other videos are there? Of course, Judicial Watch is in court over January 6th videos by Congress that Congress has. The 14,000 hours of videos, hundreds of emails about security. So they're hiding all their emails, hiding all their videos, the Pelosi Congress is, while her uh, Pelosi 1-6 rump committee leaks my emails. Judicial Watch's material. Is that in retaliation for our criticizing the committee? Is that in retaliation for our suing them? You can draw your own conclusion. And speaking of abuse, Judicial Watch has been the leader in highlighting the abuse of Trump um, over um, these documents, the document issue, the fake document issue that the Biden gang came up with as a pretext uh, to raid the former president's home. An unprecedented, abusive, in my view, illicit raid. As I've just talked to you before, and this is something else that is driving the left crazy. They mention my name all the time on this. Uh, that uh, Judicial Watch had sued for similar records that Bill Clinton supposedly had. He had kept tapes where there were tapes related to his presidency, where he was being recorded talking to foreign leaders, inherently classified stuff. We thought, well, the Presidential Records Act applies to that. And we sued. And the Justice Department, the same gang running the National Archives, said no. 
We can't get them. Not only can't Judicial Watch get them, but we can't even get them. The Justice Department lawyer went and told the court in open court. I had the transcript. I read it. The president has these records after he leaves office. They're presumably personal. And so when this noise started happening earlier this year about these records, these so-called presidential records Trump was uh, persuaded to return, I thought, what's going on here? These aren't presidential records. They're personal records. Why did the Justice Department change their position? Why were they ignoring law? Why were they ignoring precedent? The court told us no one can second guess the president's decision making here. So they set Trump up and persuaded him to return documents, persuaded, convinced him or convinced his lawyers that to call them presidential records when in fact at best they were personal records he was voluntarily disclosing to them and then used that as a justification to raid his home. Outrageous abuse of power. And they're still messing around and thinking of indicting him for supposedly having classified records, which were inherently unclassified by the virtue of the fact he was in possession, in, in possession of them. And why, is that, why, why am I making that analysis? Because I'm following what the Justice Department position had been as it relates to these types of records. So new rules for Trump again, right? And as soon as the raid happened, we rushed the court to try to unseal the warrant. We were successful there. And of course, we've been suing to try to get access to records about the raid and the dispute generally. And one of the first agencies we sued was the National Archives, uh, which um, lied, in my view, to President Trump by saying that he had presidential records that needed to be returned. Under this court decision and precedent and law that I'm telling you, and Justice Department's prior position, uh, they had no right to demand the request, uh, to demand these records. They weren't presidential records. They were deemed personal in virtue of him having them, or his having them, I think is the proper grammar. So we sued the archives for this fake dispute they made up with the president. And you know what they did? They started releasing records to us. And typically what happens is when the agencies start releasing records, they pretend, oh, it, you know, we can only look at 500 pages a month. It's, it's just too hard. Or, you know, a select portion of the records and, you know, it's going to take us, you know, several months, if not years to get through them all. So sure enough, the first batch of records we received in response to our lawsuit were about 1,500 records in total. And you know how many they gave us in whole or in part? Less than 1% of that. So they hid over 99% of the records about the raid. Now, this is the National Archives that their, their position is we got to have all these records from President Trump because the American people have a right to know what their government's been up to. But no, not when it comes to them. So we FOIA under the law. They ignored the law, hence our lawsuit. Just to be clear, the National Archives ignored the FOIA law that required them to turn over records or otherwise answer us. They didn't do it. And the only reason they're doing it now, and of course they posted it online pretending they were doing it out of the goodness of their heart as opposed to pursuant to a federal lawsuit. As I said, the only reason they did it was because we sued. So when they talk about transparency and how, you know, no one can hide records, no one's above the law, they're hiding records right now. And you can bet the FBI is going to raid the National Archives and you can bet the FBI is going to raid itself because we got lawsuits against the FBI and DOJ. They gave us only 65 pages out of the 1,600 pages they had turned over, more or less. We wanted all records regarding referral from NARA, the National Archives and Records Administration, to the Department of Justice regarding the records management procedures of former President Trump. 
The request includes all related records of communications between any official or employee of the archives or any official or employee of the Department of Justice or any other branch, department, agency, or office of the federal government. Like the White House? All records regarding the retrieval of records from President Trump or any individual or entity acting on his behalf by the National Archives and the Records Administration. This request includes uh, related records of communications between any official or employee of NARA and President Trump or any individual or entity acting on his behalf. So, uh, not, a, not a lot of records, right, in theory. So, what are they hiding? They're hiding virtually all of them. In response to the first batch, uh, they found 309 pages, but only released 11 pages. So, that was, they only was 300 and, there were 309 pages, at least initially, of records of communications with the Justice Department. Only 11 of them have been released to us. In the second batch, essentially communications with President Trump and his team, they found 1,300 pages, but only released 54 of those pages to us. Now, what did they release to us? We put them online. We have a link in our press release. I don't know, they are on our site, or did we link to the archive site? I don't remember. They released a few pages of correspondence with Congress, much of which has been released before, and a new email with President Trump's representatives in which the archives asserted legal, excuse me, asserted alleged authority over records in Trump's personal possession. So when I, uh, or when we say alleged authority over records in Trump's personal possession, uh, what I mean to say, if I were writing this and like just personally, they lied to Trump about records in Trump's personal possession. They suggested that Trump, they weren't his, when in fact they were. And if I were Trump, to this day, I would say to the courts, and his team hasn't said this as directly as they should have, I think, I would say all those records are mine, and I want them all back. Because under the law, I get to choose what are presidential records and what are personal records. And under the prior Justice Department decision, I really don't have to do anything other than take them with me. And if they're with me here, they're personal records. That was the Justice Department's position for Bill Clinton, and they just can't lie to you and suggest, I did something wrong here. I want the records back. Now, what is the archives, what is the Biden archives saying? Why, why can't we get these records? So let me explain FOIA to you. The Freedom of Information Act requires agencies of the government to turn documents over uh, about uh, uh, certain government activities. And uh, obviously there are national security exceptions. Sometimes they don't even have to acknowledge uh, that there's a certain government activity. For instance, if, you know, it's too secret to even, even to say, no, it doesn't exist, because that would tell the bad guy something. But typically, let's say, you know, let's, let's talk about the raid. They have to turn over records about the raid. Now, do they have to turn over all records? No. There's a, records that they can uh, withhold in whole or in part, citing certain exemptions in law. And some of the exemptions are pretty easy to understand. Like, I'm not going to be able to ask for uh, President Trump's Social Security number. That's privacy-protected material. Uh, other claims tend to be pretty broad in scope and in the eye of the beholder. For instance, deliberative process material, which is the sort of pre-decisional material, which is really very interesting to people, isn't it? I want the back and forth prior to a decision, and they usually try to withhold that. Uh, there's nothing requiring them to withhold it, like Social Security numbers, but they often withhold that because that's where all the juice is. Uh, other records uh, exemptions here are, uh, again, B-5, which is this internal deliberation process, which is completely discretionary. Completely discretionary, they're withholding these records. B-6, which is personal privacy. Now, that can be something about Social Security numbers, but it also could say, they could also be, be pretending to be concerned about President Trump's privacy, as if that's a legitimate concern at this point. B-7A, 
uh, records compiled for law enforcement purposes. B7C, which are similar law enforcement records that relates to someone's personal privacy. So if they get records, um, let's say they dig through your bank records, they can't turn those over. And B7E, again, is law enforcement. So there's a bunch of records being held under deliberative process. Law enforcement is tough to get around because, you know, there, there is a law enforcement investigation going on, however corrupted. So they're hiding a bunch of records, uh, many of which that in their discretion, even under the law enforcement exemption, they can release. So that's where we stand on Bill, excuse me, not Bill Clinton's, uh, Joe Biden's raid on Trump's home. There are a thousand plus pages of records that are being hidden by the Biden administration about its unprecedented raid. In the meantime, they're leaking information about what they found, about what Trump did. I think the Washington Post had a story uh, out of the Justice Department, again, leaked to try to smear him that they were concerned because he was moving boxes around his house. So now, according to the Justice Department, moving boxes around your home is evidence of a crime. That's, that's where we are with this crazed Justice Department, that while protecting Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, as I will describe and have previously described, they are harassing Trump in ways that um, I think, if it weren't so outrageous, would cause sensible people and sensible prosecutors to laugh at the outrageousness of it. And so Judicial Watch, um, as we said in our release, uh, is uh, not going to give up here. The Biden administration is in cover-up mode on its abusive and unprecedented raid of former President Trump's home. The archives pretends to be concerned about public access to public information while unlawfully ignoring FOIA law and using a myriad of excuses to hide records about its manufactured dispute over the Trump records. So they're all liars when they say they're concerned about transparency. They're enemies of transparency. How do we know? Because we're suing them in court over it. So as I've previously observed, on the one hand, you have this outrageous abuse of President Trump. And on the other hand, you have this protection racket for uh, the Biden family racketeering operation. So it's a racket in protection of a racket. And uh, Judicial Watch uh, has been investigating uh, the Biden family corruption issues uh, like no one else has. Well, frankly, I don't think anyone else really is uh, that you can rely upon. And so uh, we have obvious FOIAs out there that have also already produced results. Uh, but we also are always sending out additional FOIAs and preparing for additional lawsuits. And most recently, we just sued uh, for records of possible FBI obstruction of the Hunter Biden slash Joe Biden investigation that should have been underway years ago. But as I... Uh, talked to you about at the last update, I think, has been slowed and obstructed uh, by the Justice Department and the FBI. Uh, the long and short of it is they know Hunter committed crimes, but they don't want to prosecute him for obvious political reasons, namely Joe. You know, and I often complain about Congress not doing their job, but I have to hand it to Chuck Grassley, who's, been, who's always been an intrepid investigator, he and his staff, and Ron Johnson, uh, senator from Wisconsin has been doing good work on this, too. Uh, they've been riding herd as best as they've been able to on the Justice Department and the FBI. And they've had whistleblowers come to them who've exposed the corruption behind the uh, obstruction of the Biden investigation. We've been talking about how they had the Hunter Biden laptop since at least December of 2019 and sat on it. And these whistleblowers came forward and said that uh, you had top FBI officials, including uh, this uh, gentleman, Mr. Auten, A-U-T-E-N, uh, go in there and try to bury the Hunter Biden information uh, with a fake analysis suggesting that there was no there there. And as a result, uh, it was largely uh, shut down just prior to the 2020 election. So more, if true, alleged FBI election interference. 
So this is what um, Grassley wrote to Garland and Ray in July uh, about this scandal. I talked about these whistleblowers, and he said, the information provided to my office by these whistleblowers involves concerns about the FBI's receipt and use of derogatory information related to Hunter Biden and the FBI's false betrayal of acquired evidence as disinformation. The volume and consistency of these allegations substantiate their credibility and necessitate this letter. First, it has been alleged that the FBI developed information in 2020 about Hunter Biden's criminal, financial, and related activity. It is further alleged that in August 2020, FBI Supervisory Intelligence Agents Analyst Brian Auten, again, he just testified in the Durham investigation and the Durham trial, opened an assessment which was used by an FBI headquarters team to improperly discredit negative Hunter Biden information as disinformation and caused investigative activity to cease. Based on these allegations, verified and verifiable derogatory information on Hunter Biden, I would add Joe Biden, was falsely labeled as disinformation. The basis for how the FBI headquarters team selected specific information for inclusion in Alton's assessment is unknown. But in more than one instance, the focus of the FBI headquarters team's attention involved derogatory information about Hunter Biden. Accordingly, the allegations provided to my office appear to indicate that there was a scheme in place among certain FBI officials to undermine the derogatory information connected to Hunter Biden by falsely suggesting it was disinformation. Importantly, it's been alleged to my office that Auten's assessment was opened in August 2020, which is the same month that, the sen that Senator Johnson and I received an unsolicited and unnecessary briefing from the FBI that purportedly related to our Biden investigations and a briefing for which the contents were later leaked in order to paint the investigation in a false light. So what they did was they pretended there was nothing there. And according to this letter from Grassley and whistleblowers, they went and briefed, briefed Johnson, Senators Johnson and Grassley in a way as to suggest, ah, there's really no legitimacy to any of these concerns, which was then quickly leaked by Democrats on the Hill. I mean, talk about collusion and conspiracy. And then Senator Johnson followed up with another letter to not only Garland and Ray, but to the Inspector General of the Justice Department. Uh, Senator Grassley sent a letter to the Department of Justice and the FBI revealing information that may confirm what I've suspected for years. There was a scheme in place among certain FBI officials to undermine derogatory information connected to Hunter Biden by falsely suggesting it was disinformation. As he describes the briefing, on August 6, 2020, Senator Grassley and I received a briefing from the FBI, which we always assumed was a setup to intentionally discredit our ongoing work into Hunter Biden's extensive foreign financial entanglements. Indeed, months after that briefing, which was not specific and unconnected to our investigation, it was leaked to the Washington Post who reported on it and tied it to, quote, an extensive effort by the FBI to alert members of Congress that they faced a risk of being used to further Russia's attempt to influence the election's outcome. Okay, so let me translate that, folks. You're investigating Hunter. It means you're a Russian agent, senators. Where'd you hear that from before? It's, all, it's Trump all over again. Lie, lie, lie about your political opponents. Or, in this case, opponents of Joe Biden, potentially. Who, are, who have information about corruption involving his and his, his, uh, his family and him by falsely alleging that you're part of a Russian disinformation campaign. That's what the Democrats ran with. I, I, don't you remember that? I do. As Senator Johnson said, uh, if these revelations are true, the whistleblowers blew the whistle on what was happening here. 
It would strongly suggest that the FBI's August 26, August 6, 2020 briefing was indeed a targeted effort to intentionally undermine a congressional investigation. So obstruction of Congress? The FBI being weaponized against two sitting chairmen of U.S. Senate committees with constitutional oversight responsibilities would be one of the greatest episodes of executive branch corruption in American history. So this is the way Washington works. You have this incredible evidence of government corruption and no one wants to do anything about it but Judicial Watch. And what Judicial Watch did was we immediately started filing FOIAs to figure out what the heck happened here. We wanted all unclassified records, including emails, email chains, email attachments, notes, digital and or handwritten, briefings, data, documents, letters, evidence, assessments in the possession of the FBI, of the FBI's supervisory intelligence agents, analyst Brian Auten concerning the August 6, 2020 briefing provided to the members of the U.S. Senate, specifically Johnson and Grassley. So we want Auten's records about this scam setup of a briefing designed to help Joe Biden just before the election by smearing senators as being Russian dupes per the standard operating procedures of that irredeemably corrupted FBI. I love this lawsuit. I mean, isn't, isn't it awful here in Washington that they spent, again, another day talking about uh, trying to punish people for disputing an election while, in fact, we had the FBI? The proof is from U.S. senators, FBI whistleblowers are coming forward by, I think there's at least two dozen who have come forward now, that the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Justice Department were actually trying to tamper with our elections. And it's only Judicial Watch that has done the lawsuit here? Now, Auten, as I said, uh, he testified in this Durham trial. Uh, he's the one who uh, knew about the offer of a million bucks to the Clinton campaign, uh, the Clinton gang spy, Chris Steele. They knew the, he knew the dossier was bunk. And then when he got smoking gun evidence of Hunter Biden, according to his whistleblowers, he tried to suppress it. It's no coincidence that the FBI operatives implicated in improperly protecting Hunter and Joe Biden were also abusing President Trump. This is why Durham should be investigating the Biden, what I would call, obstruction of justice by the FBI and Justice Department. Because you have to look at the motives. Why were they targeting Trump? Because they wanted to freeze the Justice Department from investigating Biden. They wanted to freeze the Justice Department from doing what was necessary to investigate Hillary Clinton. Motives, folks. The Justice Department and the FBI, as I said, have been irredeemably compromised and their refusal to follow federal transparency law. Again, we've asked for these records under the law. And the Justice Department and the FBI, which will throw you in jail for violating the law, is currently violating FOIA law. And we're in federal court against them. So what's happening? We're getting attacked by Congress. We're getting attacked by the Pelosi Congress. That's, that's why they attack us, because we're truth tellers. And we refuse to back down in pursuit of... Uh, accountability for corrupt government officials. And so this is just one of many lawsuits over Hunter Biden and Joe Biden corruption. We've gotten much, uh, much information before. As I said, you know, uh, other than, you know, a congressman here and there getting some information out. For instance, we exposed how the State Department was worried under Obama about Hunter Biden corruption. 
and its implications for our national security and foreign policy with Russia and Ukraine as it relates to Joe Biden. We just sued for information about what's going on in the State Department. What did they know about Hunter generally? What about China? We exposed separately through a lawsuit he traveled at least five times with Secret Service protection to China. What is he doing now? The Secret Service is hiding information about what Hunter's doing now, and we're in court trying to get it. So if you want to know if there's any serious investigations going on in Washington, D.C. about the corruption issues you care about, my answer to you is yes. And it's because Judicial Watch is doing them. So I encourage you uh, to share this information out there because big media is suppressing us, censoring us. So you have to do extra work to push this information and find it. And you should share it with your friends, your colleagues, your family members, your members of your church, etc. should also like and comment it wherever you can find it. I mean, you may be watching it on YouTube. You may be watching it on Twitter or on, on True Social or Getter or Rumble. Where, wherever you're looking at this, Instagram, say you love it. Say you love it on Facebook and share it. But also help us get the word out by supporting us. Uh, when you support Judicial Watch, you not only support our educational efforts that the left wants to suppress, but you also support our ability to go to court and sue the bad guys. So uh, if that's what you want to be done, I encourage you to support Judicial Watch. And if you already are supporting us, thank you. And consider additional support because we're never going to stop as long as you're with us. With that, I wish you the best, and I'll see you here next week on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.